Please lower your head and watch your step while boarding. Welcome to the Attractions Podcast. You are all clear for dispatch. Have fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very special bonus episode of Attractions Podcast, sponsored by MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. I am Seth. And I'm Carly. And normally, we're just here to talk to you about the latest and greatest in theme park news and more. But today is a little special. Uh, This is a special bonus episode that we are recording to talk all about my trip to Hong Kong Disneyland and the brand new World of Frozen that they opened there. Uh, Attractions (laughs) Attractions Magazine was lucky enough to be one of a very small group of uh, United States media outlets uh, invited to go to Hong Kong for this event. Uh, And Matt was kind enough to give the invitation to me. So I put myself on a lovely 24-hour journey each direction. Um, you know, not not necessarily my favorite flight ever. Uh, I I thought that the you know 17, 18 hours to Dubai was a lot, but you haven't lived until you have uh, been on a plane for sixteen hours and then gotten off and transferred and been on another plane for six hours and then got off and transferred and been on another plane for three hours and oh boy. Yeah, it, and you're tall. It, it was a lot. Yes, and uh, I was not. You know, I am not. I don't fly business class. I do not fly fly first class. I'm I'm in coach with the in the back. Um. So yeah. Uh. Luckily enough, on one of the long flights, uh, I managed to get a row all to myself and could actually like wow. sleep. Yeah. There was one flight that was not full, and it was bliss. Um. But. Uh, that was only one of them, uh, and I had some long flights where, uh, yeah, I was I was sitting upright all night for a good, you know, fourteen hours straight. So. Yeah, and you're going into the future; it confuses your body. <sighs> oh my god, it's so it's so confusing. I'm still, you know, it's it's now uh, two days after, um, and jet lag's always I I think worse the second day. If you think that recovering from the time change of one hour, you know, when we set the clocks back, you think right. that's bad. Try setting the clocks back thirteen hours. Uh, <laughs> It wreaks havoc on the body, honestly. It is. I'm dr- oh. I'm drinking a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, stay up until my normal bedtime and force myself to get up when when the alarm says. But it's not fun. No, I get it. Uh, but for the first time in forever. Forever. <laughs> so um, we have a very uh, detailed, and honestly, I could have gone on a lot longer but i think when you break three thousand words people are like all right enough i don't want to hear anymore so if if you want to read about it um we have uh the ultimate guide to world of frozen at hong kong disneyland currently posted published on our website for the for you to check out but uh i'm gonna basically do an ama here um I'm going to let Carly uh, ask me anything she wants to know about, you know, the whole trip, World of Frozen, the rest of the Hong Kong Disneyland Resort, um, whatever you want to hear. And uh, I've got my my photo album from the trip. I took 80 gigabytes worth of photos and videos. Um, I I I mean, it's something like two or three thousand pictures or more and and several hundred, you know. Uh, like like ten hours worth of videos, almost. Uh, it's, I I recorded almost every unique ride that's in the resort. I did walking tours of the park and every hotel. 
you name it you name it uh i i went there and did, i was like i'm not going back to hong kong anytime soon uh so i am i am getting squeezing it's a i mean it's a it's not even a full day park it's like a three quarters of a day park especially because it was empty there's no one there i never saw a wait for a ride more than 15 or 20 minutes a jungle cruise was the longest i waited in a line wow. just over 20 minutes and uh for the most part the only thing people wait in line there is to meet duffy and friends um other than that they're not there to wait in lines they're you know rope drop is at 10 30 in the morning and there's you know maybe a hundred or so people who actually rope drop um it's a totally totally different experience from what i'm used to in american parks or even you know going to paris or something like that it's a friend of the podcast eric o is out uh right now in uh tokyo and it is the complete opposite of what i experienced it is madness there it is wall-to-wall crowds it's people you know uh, 75 minute waits uh at a rope drop and uh hong kong if you want to visit a Disney theme park and feel like you have it to yourself. Hong Kong is the place to go for sure, for sure. Wow. I know. But, I love that. I, I think let's start with Frozen, and I want to go into asking you some questions. Just generic Hong Kong Disneyland. You know, this podcast is targeted to people like me that are Disney super fans, and we just mm-hmm. want to know a little bit more what about is, the experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I well, okay. No, first off, yeah, World of Frozen. Yeah. What were your first World of Frozen? My first, I I will be brutally, brutally honest. My first impression when you walk under the berm, uh, you know, this is World of Frozen. Just in case you're not sure what on earth we are talking about. World of Frozen is an entire land uh, at Hong Kong Disneyland based around the Frozen film, based around the Kingdom of Arendelle. Um, It is, you know, we've had a Frozen attraction at Epcot, but that is not a Frozen land that is still technically the Norway pavilion um, at Epcot and they are building frozen areas in Paris and Tokyo. Um, But this is the largest, uh, the most complete, um, even when those other ones are finished, this is the biggest frozen investment that Disney is making on the planet. Um, And it shows because the first thing I thought when I walked under the berm, uh, it's kind of built behind Fantasyland. So you walk under the railroad track and you sort of emerge out from this archway. And I said, oh, Disney finally built Hogsmeade. And I meant wow. that in the sense that they finally built a complete land. You know, the first time you walked under the archway and mm-hmm. walked into Hogsmeade and you're like, I'm no longer in Universal Studios. I am now yep. in this place. And that you there's nothing to break the illusion that is a 360 degree land. Uh, you know, a lot of the other lands at um, at Hong Kong Disneyland are basically just a pathway with a ride and some stuff on either side of the pathway. But it's it's basically just like a mini land more, you know, like... Uh, just not that complete sense that I am in this place. I'm completely surrounded um, and completely immersed. Um, and that it is complete in the sense that it's not just one ride and one gift shop. Um, you've got one major ride. You've got another secondary ride. You've got a full-size restaurant. You've got snack stands. You've got, you know, and most importantly, that you have little 
pathways and walkways and corners and hidden areas and things that are there to serve another, no other purpose than to just create a sense of place. Um, I think that's what kind of separates what elevated Hogsmeade um, and, and Diagon Alley too. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the seat, that's the feeling you get walking into World of Frozen that you don't necessarily get in a lot of other places at Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, wow. Hong Kong Disneyland is a weird park with a problematic history. Um, and it is evolved and changed in a lot of ways. And walking into World of Frozen kind of sets off in stark, stark contrast, like how amazingly complete and detailed and perfect and spared no expense it is versus kind of bizarro jankiness that is in some other places around Hong Kong. Disneyland, Interesting. Yeah. I, I think uh, the wizarding world is the perfect you yeah. know, analogy for that. Uh, the artist renderings of this were top notch, like mm -hmm. looking at them and they oh nailed them all. Wow. Um, the, the thing that, uh, you know, the, the number one advantage that I think they have here is uh, every other Disney park is pretty much sat, you know, in a, a flat piece of land where they throw up a berm to try to block out the outside world. But in contrast, uh, Hong Kong Disneyland is surrounded by the most epic mountains that you mm -hmm. can possibly imagine. And they use it to the full advantage. They frame the land using these mountains and creating artificial mountains that are in the foreground that blend perfectly with the real mountains in the background um just like it, yeah absolutely just like 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 i i told josh tomorrow uh who who was there and talked to us very briefly i was like i'm really impressed you guys spent all that money to build because <laughs> i'm the mountain the mountain the artificial mountain that the wandering oakens roller coaster takes place in um is built at an angle with a color and a texture that just flows so perfectly into the real mountains in the background that the whole thing looks like it has been there for a thousand years and that that it just naturally belongs nestled right there um and it's it's truly epic um wow. just so walking like around goals <laughs> <laughs> yeah um as far as size, can you compare it to something that maybe we would be familiar with in, you know, the U.S. Disney parks as mm. far as the land goes? Um, well, it has this bay in mm -hmm. the middle of it um, that takes up a good chunk of land. Um, I would say, uh, and this might be a little bit of a hint, I would say if you can picture Disneyland, if you were to take the submarine and Autopia patch, at Disneyland, right, and maybe add on the Fantasyland Theater that's right across, like the moat. Yes. Think of the whole the old motorboat. Every you know, don't don't demolish uh, Matterhorn. Leave the Matterhorn there, but take yeah. everything that on the opposite side of Matterhorn, and then wrapping around kind of to the Fantasyland Theater um, near Small World. I would say that is very very close to the kind of square footage. So. The size of um, one of the larger lands at Disneyland, uh, you know, not the size of maybe uh, a larger land at Disney World, um, you know, maybe smaller than New Frontierland if you mm -hmm. take into account all, or I'm sorry, New Fantasyland if you take into account all of the stuff that's in there. But in terms of accessible area, kind of similar to that. Wow. And uh, far as like the vibe and atmosphere, uh, there's free roaming characters. Yeah. 
that that it feels very alive mm -hmm. um it's the idea is that you are visiting on summer snow day um same sort of concept as the ride uh Frozen Ever After and Epcot, but they've taken that theme and spread it throughout the entire land. So you're not just visiting Arendelle on any of any day. You're visiting Arendelle on the anniversary of the day that uh, that uh, Elsa saved Anna with an actor of true love, and everyone is so excited to talk to you about happy you know summer snow day it's not just that yes they have all the characters as walk around characters anna and elsa and Kristoff, and a wandering oaken who is my favorite because he is so <laughs> enthusiastic um and they don't just stand there and people queue for a meet and greet um they this is the only place in the park uh, everywhere else in the park that i saw is people very patiently standing in a line to meet a character and take a photo but these guys are really interactive and they're out there wandering around free range characters, which is my favorite kind of characters. Oh, yeah. um, and in addition to the, mo the movie characters who are all um, really well cast, really well directed, um, but they also have some original characters. Uh, they've got a royal conjurer who basically does birthday party magic, um, but he's really good and uh, he just sort of, pops up in random spots and and just you know entertains with he can do balloon animals he can do uh juggling he can do sleight of hand but the the breakout character the like uh the one that everyone went absolutely freaking crazy for is this mossy puppet yes uh, I the internet mossy <laughs> oh my god mossy is i would die for mossy uh mossy <laughs> is this interactive puppet um, that it talks, it blinks, um, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the baby dinosaurs that they have at, at Universal where uh, the actor has a fake arm, sorry to spoil mm -hmm. it for you, uh, and her, her arm is up inside manipulating the puppet. But it's also got, I guess, pre-recorded phrases because she's not a ventriloquist, you know, right. she's, she's, she's not doing the voice and I didn't see anyone else you know nearby like would push you know used to, to though they do have a push um type trash can talking trash can at um hong kong that i did see out uh so i think it's like a corded maybe a finger control system similar to like a darth vader character mm -hmm. in the parks uh but mossy can interact and talk to people and oh my god so cute um, and wow. th these are the kind of things, even just the regular rank and file employees, um, you know, each of them, they have a wide variety of different costume pieces. So everyone can kind of customize their look and everyone comes up with a little backstory. It's sort of like the early days of um, Galaxy's Edge when the employees were all supposed to be in character. Mm -hmm. It's that sort of enthusiasm that like, you know, all of the, uh, you know, and obviously I was there during a press event and I'm sure, you know, on a busy holiday or whatever when it's just normal guests they're not all going to be so happy to be in character they're just going to be moving you through fine but the time we were there everyone whether they're a food service or custodial everyone was just so excited to talk about summer snow day and talk about anna and elsa and welcome you to arendelle and um it really made you feel like you were just not a guest in a theme park but that you were visiting arendelle Wow. Uh, would you say like how many hours going there for the first time? How many hours uh, do you think someone would spend in this land? Well, I, I'd say that um, people I saw were spending enormous amounts of time just posing, selfieing, uh, doing photo shoots. Uh, I was there with a lot of influencers. I think every yes. <laughs> influencer in China and 
Korea and Japan or whatever was invited. Uh, and, and that is a lot of the culture there. I think that's right. what people, you know, uh, I would say if this was in Orlando, uh, you would be waiting 90 minutes for the boat ride and then you would get out and probably happily wait another 90 minutes for this boat ride. Cause it's really that much of improvement. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. but, uh, you know, there, I never saw a wait more than, you know, like I said, 15, 20 minutes for anything. So, um, I think if you were to do both rides a couple times, if you were to really explore the shops, if you were to eat a full meal in the restaurant, if you were to go to see the show, um, you know, we had uh, three and four hour blocks over multiple days. Mm -hmm. um, and by the last day, I was like, okay, I'm ducking out a little early to see some other things in the park. Um, but like for the first time going in there, um, two to three hours, you could probably... You know, if if you are into Frozen, if you don't really care about Frozen, if none of this is, you know, you could walk around and leave, I guess, and not care. But if you want to really do everything, have a complete experience, um, two to three hours, I think easily you could do. Well, yeah, I mean, I think like bringing it to the Diagon Alley thing, like I'm not into Harry Potter, but I can spend three hours there getting an ice cream, sitting mm -hmm. in Nocturne Alley. And this exactly. kind of feels like the same way. Like you just yes. want to be. It's a... It. It is a great environment to just hang out. There's, you know, yeah. there's seating, there's cozy shaded areas, there's different views. You know, you walk all along the waterfront and you get different great angles. And, um, you know, th there's just uh, there's just a sense that it's a, a place that not just to rush through, but is designed to be a place for people to relax, not to just head to the e-ticket, mm -hmm. grab your food and get out of here. You know, it's just, you're, you're supposed to like feel at home. Yeah. No, I love that you're visiting yep. Arendelle. Uh, yep. So attraction, let's attraction. start with right. so, here. Yeah. So, and I know like when, you know, Pete, there are people who are still a little salty about frozen ever after because, all right, first of all, it killed maelstrom, which was like, uh, very unique, non-IP based uh, attraction, classic of Epcot. And it's just an overlay, you know, it was just a reskin. Um, and that is true about the one in Epcot. Um, you know, I, I think that Frozen Ever After had some compromises that they did the best job that they could on it at the time. Um, it's not my favorite Epcot ride, and I don't think it is worth the very long standby lines that it gets. And, you know, it's one of the first uh, uh, Genie Plus lightning lanes to, to sell out. Everything. Yep. So I, what they've done here for Frozen Ever After is to take the idea, to take the basic structure, and to plus every single element to take everything to the next level. So then rather than it being... An okay D ticket. It is a so it is a solid E ticket experience from wow. start to finish. Not by there are no completely new scenes. There is nothing that is completely different. It is just every little element has been polished and tweaked and improved. So it's like it's what they imagined, what they hoped. It's kind of like when you, you see the concept art and then the, the actual mm -hmm. thing is not quite, it's a little eh, funky. This is like the concept art has finally been executed 
just like it is, you know, in the renderings. Right. So, so uh, the queue, does it look <clears throat> similar to, for us? That So, okay. First up, uh, the queue is using a similar theme, but the thing he said was the queue in Epcot, they had so little space. Um, right. And they, mm -hmm. so this is basically what the queue in Epcot would have been if they could have completely expanded out. So he, he like pointed out, um, you can see in this, in this uh, picture I've got here, um, uh, one of the major sections you, of the queue you walk through is Kristoff's ice delivery business. Mm -hmm. And this was a tiny, tiny little corner, but like a wall, a, a corridor and like a little corner display in Epcot. And here it is multiple full-sized rooms. And for example, this window, there's one of these in Epcot is this kind of like artificial window, uh, kind of uh, door, French door, French door mm -hmm. that where you see fake sunlight uh, kind of coming through from the other side. And there's only one of these in uh, Epcot and he's got two here and then there's you don't see in the picture but two on the opposite side and there's another spot where there's like one little window in epcot and there's a whole wall of like seven windows here so it's every element is taken yeah. expanded plus there's so many as you walk through here there's like a, a whole room of ice and they've got uh uh, chilled carrots for Sven, uh, you know, <laughs> hot, hidden among the ice. There's all tributes to the Imagineers, to Hans Christian Andersen. There's so many props. Um, and you walk through all this and uh, you do come out into an area that is very much like the village square that is just before the boarding area in Epcot. But it's been greatly expanded and you kind of see not just, you know, buildings right around you, but it's cleverly done with some forced perspective. So it looks like the village just continues off into the distance beyond you. Um, real, uh, almost almost like a kind of, um, you know, Mexico pavilion sense of being outside at night, mm -hmm. as opposed to just like we're in a cramped little room that's been painted to sort of look outside. Um and even the bo the the boarding station, they've taken what was a little fishing dock in the Florida version and made it this big royal boathouse, very elaborate. Everything has these intricately carved wooden you know railings, and you see these glowing uh, lanterns overhead. And it's all fully sculpted. It's not just you know a flat with a black light painting. It's all you know a real sense of depth. Um, and you know the the big thing you notice the boats are bigger the boats in wow. orlando are so narrow so uncomfortable if they ever try to fit like three people or four people in a row it's so tight these very comfortably seat four people per row uh 16 people at a time and i time the dispatch rate at uh, a dispatch every 30 seconds wow so that means that they can hit just under 2000 people an hour I think theoretical max on the Epcot version is more like 1,400 people an hour, and they get closer to 11, I think. Um, uh, and even those numbers, I think, might be high. So, like, this is maybe not quite doubling, but probably almost close to it, uh, the, the capacity of the ride. So, uh, you know, line's going to move like that. And then, like you said, if the park is already not inherently as busy sure. like you're used to in the U.S. parks, this is great. Now, I do definitely predict that this will right now, um, you know, the most popular thing I'd say in Hong Kong that I saw was the Duffy meet and greet mm -hmm. by far longest wait. 
uh, longest wait for an actual ride was the Jungle Cruise, which kind of shocked me. Right. Um, they, <laughs> folks there love the Jungle Cruise. Um, the uh, I would predict, though, that this will quickly jump up to be the most popular attraction in the park. Uh, it's the best done attraction. There are more animatronics than this, even compared to Mystic Manor. Um, the, the animatronics wow. are plentiful and very high quality. Um, and there are very few attractions other than Mystic Manor. There are very few animatronics throughout the rest of the park. Um, and uh, it is, I would say in a way, it's almost the most thrilling ride in the park. And that seems wow. strange to say. Um, the other rides in the park are physically mild uh or at least milder than their american equivalents like uh, big grizzly which is their version mm -hmm. of big thunder mountain is very much a terrain coaster um, it feels a lot like the first part of everest um, even the backward section uh is uh designed to not have super intense g-forces um it's very rewritable it feels it's at nighttime in the back row yes it, it feels pretty fast especially mm -hmm. with, with a good breeze going but it's honestly you know top speed g-forces not nearly as intense as you know uh certainly it's not going to loosen your kidney stones like big thunder no. <laughs> does in orlando yeah <laughs> but with frozen ever after They've got a lap bar on this one for for wow. a good reason. Um, there's no minimum height requirement. I was like, can you take an infant on this? Because I would. I lost my phone. That is how my phone was on my gimbal, my, like my stabilizer, yeah. and it's on there with a super strong magnet. Like I've never had this thing fall off ever. And we went down the drop, and the drop is steeper. It is higher. It is faster than the one in Epcot, and it's got a double down. It's got you hit the bottom, and then you come back up with a little bunny hop, and then yep. bottom out again wow. a second time. And as we came, we hit the first, and then came up on the bunny hop. My phone flew right off of the magnetic mount in the gimbal, flew way up in the air, and then dropped down right back to the boat. So freaking lucky. <laughs> Wow, you really because yes, there would have been no coverage of this event uh, otherwise. Uh, it would have been all over. Wow, and so, you mentioned the animatronics. Uh, that was one of the big yes, things when we first so, learned about this ride with Elsa and Anna mm -hmm. compared to what we were used to at Epcot. Yeah, so you know, I mentioned they have plus every element, and the scenes are all you know more texture, more dimension, things that was before. If it was just a black wall, now it's like sculpted and painted. Um, and uh you know the lighting is better and they've got more breathing room even i mean it's longer it's 90 seconds longer uh mm -hmm. at least um but the biggest thing that you're going to notice is the animatronics for anna and elsa are do not have those projected backlit faces which if you visited the ride when it very first opened uh, we had a, a conversation with um uh michelle oh my goodness i've got his his last name here he's he's uh got a french last name um oh see now i've let michelle the duck uh i've can I, i'll i'll find it here in, in the article um but uh he took us on a tour and uh that was one of the questions that was asked about the faces and said if you remember when it first opened in epcot the faces did look good for the first couple weeks but the problem is that with the vibration and aging of the plastic and aging of the bulbs, it is simply impossible to uh, Michelle Denduk. I did get it right. 
Um, so he pointed out that, you know, as good a job as the, the, the folks at Epcot do, it was just not possible to keep up with the maintenance to keep those faces looking the way they were intended. Right. Um, and so now they have gone back to basics, um, but in a whole new way, because these are all electric uh, animatronics, much like Hondo Anaka over in Galaxy's Edge. Um, but they have incredibly flexible skin uh, and incredible articulation, not just opening and closing the mouths and opening and closing the eyes. But if you look carefully, uh, we've, we've got a, a full video that's being posted. Uh, I'm not sure if it's alive yet. It's probably still being processed. But I mean, their their mouths kind of dimple, you know, they kind of wow. they smile. They they kind of they have expression. They have life to their faces that I can't really remember. Like they, I remember when um, the Little Mermaid attraction opened and they said, oh, we've really done all this work with the lip sync of Ariel. And she's got the most realistic lips. And now you look at Ariel and she's like, nah, not. I mean, it's, <laughs> she's really just, you know, flapping. But these characters really, you know, the the lip sync is really good. And they the faces just look natural and don't they don't have that weird, creepy uh, mismatch between their necks mm -hmm. and their and their skin tone anymore. Um, now, the some of the other characters, the, the trolls still do have projected faces, mm -hmm. but they've improved the projection technology so much that you don't see any gap between the face and the body. And Sven and um, Olaf have the back projected eyes. Um, and I still think those work really, really well. Uh, oh, yeah. I think those are really effective. So do you love the ride there? I really, I got to say, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the one in Epcot. I am I do it once every few months. If I'm there with someone who's never done it, I'll be like, all right, we'll lightning lane it, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I can take or leave the one in Epcot. I want to go back and rewrite it now that i've got this fresh in my mind that's a great idea to try to look and figure out what are but it's just it's not just one thing it's just every little thing adds up to feel more satisfying to feel like this is what they meant the first time you know this is what they they wanted to do um i think my favorite little added touch is when you finish the backward section and you pull into the area with uh marshmallow the big mm -hmm. abominable snowman um, in, in Epcot, it's, the room feels a little claustrophobic and stuff. Here, they've opened up the ceiling um, and you look up. Uh, I don't have a good shot of it here, but I've got a great shot of it in the video. And you see the nighttime sky and they're shooting stars overhead and the wow. aurora borealis, the nighttime lights. Um, and it's just this epic, giant sense of space. Uh, and you know, they're just, when you do the splashdown and you see the scale model of, uh, the, you know, the Arendelle castle, it just feels like it's got so much more depth. Um, it doesn't just feel like, you know, it's that, that, that line in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they see Camelot, it's like, it's only a model, you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. how I always feel when I'm on the Epcot, right? It's only a model. Um, but yeah, it's everything the the force perspective angles, everything is just tweaked and perfected. To be like, you know, this is what it, it really should have been.
So I have a hard question. So yes, Disney parks, we've had a lot of, not a lot, but you know, a decent amount of new attractions recently, Tron at Magic Kingdom, Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind. Mm-hmm. It's hard to compare these because they're all apples. Apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would you say this kind of holds its own? And I would absolutely you know. say it is, it is up. And it, in a certain way, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, is a very complete experience um I, you know because it has a very nice pre-show or, or uh, queue with museum and the pre-show with the transportation when everything's working gardens of the galaxy i think is absolutely an e-ticket um experience from from front yeah. to back um some of the other things that you've mentioned have been like i think tron is a solid ride um but does not I don't think the parts are live up to like are, the sum is more than it's whole. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially once you add in the whole virtual queue system, yeah. I not a pleasant overall pleasant experience. And I, I think there's been some other Disney stuff lately where there's kind of been maybe a disconnect uh, between um, you know the core of the ride and the overall theming or execution, or you see, you know see the seams. This you know from from the facade straight through the exit gift shop, even the, the exit gift shop, which is the main gift shop of, of the land is, you know, perfectly in theme. It's got a backstory. It's got unique merchandise, uh, which we can talk some more about the merchandise. But right. another thing that reminded me a lot of Harry Potter is that everywhere else in Hong Kong Disneyland, I couldn't even find stuff that just said Hong Kong Disneyland. I got, uh, this is the only exclusive thing and pretty much in the whole park i could find this is albert the monkey who is the star of mystic manor but they don't have any other mystic manor merchandise they don't have you know i found one hat uh that said hong kong disneyland everything else was just disney parks or generic disney characters Mm -hmm. but frozen almost everything there is unique and exclusive to world of frozen you're not going to find it in tokyo you're not going to find it i mean maybe it'll turn up eventually in epcot but for now that's the only place that you can get it. Um, oh, and it's I looked at a lot of the pictures, the headbands. Yeah, oh we, we can. Yeah, we can talk. Uh, we can talk some more about the merch. But you know, and it's so it's the exit. Yes, you exit through the gift shop, but the gift shop is also a themed experience. And there's story in there, and there's detail, and and um, you know, so from from beginning to end, it absolutely holds its own with the best that Disney has done in the last few years. Sure. Wow. So then going on to the other main. Yeah. You know, so the, the other, the other attraction I think is, is going to be controversial um, because it is an e-ticket execution of a B-ticket ride. Uh, Wander and Oaken's sliding sleighs. I think when this was originally announced, I think some people were hoping this would be going to, I know I was hoping it was going to be like a seven dwarfs mine train. It's not, this is barnstormer. This is, Flight of the Hippogriff. This is like one step. This is a, this is a from dispatch, you know, uh, loading station to unloading, sixty seconds exactly, from the top of the lift hill to when you hit the brake run is thirty seconds exactly. This is this is designed to be your kid's first roller coaster. This is gadgets go coaster, and I think that if they had just sat it in an in a field in a you know, uh, a, put it a flat and, and 
not raised people's expectations by building this incredible mountain around the roller right. coaster. People have been like, okay, it's fine. It's a kiddie coaster. They need one of those in that park. They've got Space Mountain, which is a full, you know, it is, it mm -hmm. is the same Space Mountain that they have in California. Exactly. Um, so, you know, that's the full grown roller coaster. They got Big Grizzly, which is like their big Thunder Mountain, which is their like tween coaster. But there was nothing in this park for kids under uh, 100 centimeters, basically. You know, uh, th there was nothing, no place to take your kid to have their first roller coaster experience. You need the, you need your barnstormers. You need your hippogriffs, right? Um, you need your troller coaster. Uh, mm -hmm. But no one else would take a simple, you know, you know, I'm not going to say it's off the shelf because I think that the, the actual tr track layout uh, is an improvement over most of those that I mentioned, just because cars, yeah. mm -hmm. um, it's got the cars are very well detailed and the track has some snap to it. Um, you know, in the front row, it's pretty gentle, but in the back row, you get some nice G forces coming around those curves. Like uh, the last time it's, uh, I went on it in the la in the back row and I was like, Oh, I got to hold on to my camera because I'm really, you know, it's coming around those corners pretty nice. Um, you know, it's it's not made for me. But the fact that it is in this huge sculpted mountain with a waterfall cascading and it's right on the water. So you get these incredible views. It interacts with the pathways. It interacts with the queue. So as you're standing in the queue, you see the, the ride zipping by. So it it I guess it raises expectations much higher than the roller coaster itself can deliver and some people have really been dinging it for that right but all the people who are dinging it for that are people who are just watching it online and who are not there in person mm -hmm. everyone of us who went on it were like i can't believe they invested all this money like this this seems crazy to do this but none of us complained about it after we got off we we're like that was fun. And if that, if I was a little kid and that was my first roller coaster ever, like that would raise the bar so high. Yeah. Like then you would go on any of these other kiddie coasters <laughs> and be like, what? Um, I wish it had another little show scene at the end. Um, there's spot, there's a, a place at the break run where it could have had another animatronic, but come on, then, then we're really breaking the bank. It's already got one animatronic near the beginning where you see Olaf and Sven uh, riding on a treadmill and it's a super simple animatronic. It doesn't have lip sync or anything. It's just, but it's kind of like the Jane the Ostrich at uh, the Adventureland Treehouse that we talked about recently, right. where it's this really expressive sculpt that really captures the character. And even though it's not highly animated, it has this kind of bouncy natural motion that, um, you know, I mean, that's the essence of animation. You don't need it to be super realistic. As long as it has, the motion has the right spirit, your brain fills in the rest. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I, it, it definitely, ex I had very low expectations and, uh, I, I said in the article that it is the most elaborately over-designed kitty coaster on earth. I'm sticking <laughs> with that. I love it for it. I love it. So maybe a little bit of length, one more show scene yeah, and yeah. it could have been a little more. I mean, yes, but it's not meant to be an ET. Yeah. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it is literally just the thing, uh, you know, to take your kid on for their first roller coaster ever. And it still has that sauna window with Sven <laughs> popping yeah. up, um, uh, that they have from Epcot. Um, they've got all sorts of little hidden details in the queue. Um, you know, the, the train is comfortable and really elaborate. Um, 
you know, I, I can't complain. I can't complain. Yeah. So like a Kitty Hagrid's. Exactly. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So there's one more other, I will say, attraction, more of an interaction theater. And and this was this was one that I walked into having absolutely no clue what I was going to see inside. It is called Playhouse in the Woods. um, And it is it's a hybrid. Um, It's kind of an interactive. it is a show that involves Anna and Elsa, who are face characters, and Olaf, who is a puppet. And there is a digital backdrop and digital projection mapping used all through the room uh, to bring special effects to life. Uh, there really is not much of a plot. It's just the idea is that this playhouse is where Elsa used to come to practice her magic in private um, when she was a little girl. And now she's opened it up to everyone to come and play with her and Elsa or her and Anna. And um, there's no seats. So you're just kind of standing around. Um, And there's a little introduction. And then they ask you to pick which of the four elements you identify with. They have these statues for earth, air, fire, and water Mm -hmm. in the four corners of the room. So they, it's kind of like a little movement thing where they encourage people to move around the room, pick the corner that you feel more comfortable in. And then they, they do little things with lighting and special effects on each of the statues. They pick some people out of the crowd to like help them conjure air spirits. Um, you know, it's cute. It's simple. It's less, less than 10 minutes total. Um, the big finale is that Elsa shows off her ice magic and has projections going all around the room. And then we get snow. So you get to have uh, a fake snowfall uh every i don't know 15 minutes this runs continuously they just so there's no time. It's just, do they shut the doors for the next group or just open and oh, oh no yeah they load they load okay. they start close the doors start the show and then they dump and immediately bring a next audience i don't know if there's two sets of anna and elsa's or if these women okay. just have to keep i was like what goes working. on when they're not in there i wasn't sure but this makes a lot more sense yeah there's just as soon as one it's not like scheduled show times it's just mm-hmm. as soon as one is is over they rotate out and do it again and do it again um and uh i saw it twice and it was pretty much the same both times i see i don't know if there's slight variations depending on like audience participation or whatever but um mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not trying to retell the story. It's there's no live singing or anything, but uh, the performers were both super enthusiastic. I mean, I thought the woman playing playing Anna really captured her spirit, um, and uh, you know, it it's nice because you get to meet these characters, see them. You can take pictures of them or whatever, but it's not just standing in line to take a selfie and then move on. It's like right. you have a moment you know, together. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was more satisfying than just waiting for meet and greet. Very cool. Yeah. I liked how it's interactive, but in, in even the lead up of the land, it was very hard to explain yes. and understand what it was until you actually did. Yeah. It. Yeah. And, uh, this is another one that we took a full video of, uh, that you're going to be able to find on our YouTube channel. Um, yes. and some entertainment that I got to see that you will only get to see if you watch our videos, uh, because it was not, one time only, folks. Um, they did a whole musical presentation, a dedication ceremony uh, with live singers. Uh, and it was funny. 
we uh we were outside the land um before they let us in for the ceremony we could kind of overhear them doing sound check and rehearsal and uh we we hear this person just nailing these songs we're like is adina here do you think they flew in adina because yeah. she was she was she was the 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 woman the cast member just killed i would say the uh the live as good as the live vocalists we have in florida and california are i was even more impressed wow. with the range and the power the woman who sings circle of life in the festival lion king show that they have there has the one of the most incredible vocal ranges and intensity i've ever like on on broadway forget it i mean i this this woman just blew me away and she was not alone uh really high quality uh singing talent at this park so wow. they showed that off uh josh tomorrow jennifer lee bob Iger all came out talked um and then they capped it off with a fireworks ceremony but the thing you gotta see is this drone show um they did uh a uh, drone production that was truly one of the most impressive that i've ever seen uh they created the the horse uh water spirit from frozen 2 um they created you know fractal diamond snowflakes in the sky i mean and it was it wasn't just showing off technology, but it was very well synchronized to the music. Uh, they had an orchestral score and I got chills. I seriously wow. got chills. So check check out these videos on our YouTube channel. I really- Yes, I had a quick question. You mentioned yeah. singing for the attractions and the playhouse mm -hmm. you go into, the language. Is it all uh, in English? Yes. That's excellent. Know. So if you watch, uh, yeah, what you will see is that English is the primary language here. Um, and as someone who does not speak any Mandarin or Cantonese, <laughs> I was able to get around perfectly fine, uh, definitely on Disney property. Everyone speaks English uh, who's working there. Um, uh, and uh, for the most part, it is like kind of a British accented English. Um, so it really i had i had no communication problems talking to people signage is mostly in th in in both english and chinese mm -hmm. um and uh often um you will hear them do uh english uh alternate in shows between english and uh both cantonese and mandarin there're th there mm -hmm. three languages total there're two two primary chinese languages cantonese and mandarin right. Um, which to us Americans might both sound the same, but to people who are Chinese sound like two completely different languages. Right. So, um, for instance, on the Jungle Cruise, uh, when Jungle Cruise first opened back in 2005, they actually had three different cues. You could pick which language you wanted to hear the Jungle Cruise in. That's At so some cool. point, they stopped doing that. Okay. And they now, the Jungle Cruise is trilingual. So the skipper has to say every single joke, wow. every single sentence in three different languages. So he is able to be completely not funny in three different languages. <laughs> it is, there's no no quicker way to kill comedy than to repeat a joke three times and have the timing, the pacing, and the pronunciation be wrong on all three. <laughs> it's triple threat. Um, so in the case, for example, of the Frozen Ever After ride, all of the singing is in English. But so you're all, hearing Let It Go, the version. You're hearing that. Let It Go. You're hearing the original actors sing all of the parts. 
Olaf sings, do you want to build a snowman? But then when he talks to you, he talks to you in Chinese. Um, it, the trolls, half the trolls speak in English and half the trolls speak in Chinese. So they, you know, it, it's it's kind of like that thing where um, someone says, oh, something, something, something in Chinese. And then the other person repeats in English. Oh, yes, blah, blah, blah. So like whichever language, you know, you are getting the same information. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it's it, it was done fairly well and naturally in the, in the case of uh, the Frozen Ever After ride. Um, some rides are pretty much entirely English, like Mystic Manor. Uh, Lord Mystic speaks completely in English with like mm -hmm. one or two words of Chinese. And Albert speaks like monkey Chinese, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, um, so, you know, for the most part, it is English forward. But when you go to see something like the Mickey, uh, the Mickey and the Wondrous Book Show, which is sort of like their equivalent of the old Mickey magical map, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big stage musical. Right. They've got super titles. It's like going to the opera where um, all of the characters are, uh, are singing in, uh, songs in English, but all of the dialogue is in both Mandarin and Chinese, but they are have subtitles. So on if someone is saying something in English, there's Mandarin subtitles on, you know, Chinese subtitles on the side, or if they're speaking in Mandarin, you've got Cantonese translation and you've got English translation and it's all going at the same time. Wow. It's like, where do I look? Yeah, it, It's a little overwhelming, but like, I, you know, I, it's our fault for being monolingual Americans. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> other people are able to learn two, three, four languages as children and get by just fine. But we're, you know, we, we just get raised with one language, unfortunately. Okay. But so. what we are good at is eating. So I'm oh, like really That excited. is an awesome transition. Congratulations. I'm yes, so let's excited. talk to food. Yes. Um, so... I will say this. I looked at all the food. I, I smelled all the food. I, I talked to people about the food. I cannot say I personally tried all the food because uh, I'm going to be brutally honest. Like I, I have kind of a sensitive stomach and mm -hmm. I am always nervous when I'm traveling, uh, especially, you know, I'm like my nightmare is like, you know, for my stomach to not be happy. And then I can't participate in these press things so i i i'm very kind of picky and choosy i don't eat a lot when i'm traveling and i i try to stick with things that i i don't think it's not well, that i don't want trying yeah. i love trying new. Mm -hmm. i love spicy food i love um you know it, different multicultural food but i have certain like triggers and stuff so i have to like so uh, i can talk to you about uh the food but i didn't necessarily taste everything myself um but everything i did taste was fantastic um so the primary restaurant here is called the golden crocus inn and it is obviously scandinavian style food mm -hmm. you've got swedish norwegian different you know nordic countries inspired exactly what you want when you have travelers exactly and i as someone who is a big fan of the ikea uh cafeteria yes. this is like I elevated, I super elevated Ikea. So um, first of all, the, it's really cute inside. It is cafeteria style service. Like you get a tray and you go along the line and they hand, 
hand it off to you. So it's not table service, mm -hmm. but I think I really felt like the food quality and presentation was table service quality. And then when you go to sit, there's all these different rooms. Uh, so it's like, you're not just in one big cavernous room. It's mm -hmm. like divided up into little sections so that it feels more intimate. There's all these little hidden details. There's a hiding cat. So uh, Michelle, the, the Imagineer behind all this is cat obsessed. Oh. And so in every one of his projects through the Disney parks, there is a hidden cat. Um, the one he's most famous for is he did in um, the fantasy fair at uh, near Sleeping Beauty pa Castle in Anaheim. Um, if near the princess meet and greet, if you look up, there's a Figaro, there's an animatronic Figaro cat, and he's trying to get at a bird in a cage. Um, and that was his like personal pet project because he's a cat person and I'm a cat person. So yeah. I appreciate that. Cat ladies of the world, you know, I love it. Yes. Um, so uh, here are some of the highlights, the things, uh, some of the things I did try. Um, my, the big meal that I ate there was a lamb shank. And this was like Ooh. a whole bag of lamb. Um, so meaty, so juicy. And, you know, lamb can be gamey. It can be tough. It can get dried out. And this but is they, service. They braised this thing like, I don't know if they said like 24 hours, something ridiculous. Like <laughs> this thing was so juicy and just falling off the bone, uh, full of flavor. Um, and of course, you've got that that thick um, Swedish style brown gravy and the mashed potatoes and roast vegetables. And I love they kind of serve everything in these these cast iron skillet looking things. That's what you, they actually serve it to you in. And are those uh, disposable, or do you return them? Uh, they you return them. Yes, okay. you you return them. Um, they're they're. I don't think they were actual uh, cast iron. I think they were like maybe a heavy resin or something. Right. But it was. It's like solid. It, you're not eating off of plastic, you know, that that's it, it feels, um, uh, you know, kind of a little bit like, uh, when, when galaxy's edge, when docky Bay seven opened and they were trying to like, make it a little more of an elevated in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, then they had to get rid of the sporks cause everyone stole them. You know, right. that's kind of what it feels like what they're doing here in terms of the, the flatware, the tableware and stuff. Um, I think the most impressive, item that they have here is this seafood stew because this is like this if you if you serve this item in american theme park this would be like a 30 dollar entree right. because it's got these giant like these are prawns the size of your hand with the head still on and big big mussels and like a huge portion of salmon in this creamy dill sauce um cream is one of my triggers so yeah, I, mean, I just had to smell it it looked really good everyone who tried it said it was really really like rich um the the if you're an ikea fan like me they have these yeah. meatballs but they're like way bigger and plumper than the ikea meatballs um uh again the gravy was really good um you know they have sausages i had some of the sausages and they were just they're just good you know spicy you know kind of german style bratwurst sausages um they've even got uh you know like a mu mushroom pasta and it's topped with like a fried dippy egg like a a, a runny egg yes um, i saw the picture a lot of yeah. pictures of the pasta and that's yeah. me had the mushroom oysters that yes amazing. yes yeah i had some of the mushrooms and the, the uh just everything like ingredient quality was really high everything tasted really fresh um everything was plated like these platings that you see here on the demos that's how it was coming out of the kitchen wow. um 
And uh, if you've got a sweet tooth, uh, your other option is the Northern Lights, which is the confectionery shop. And um, they've got like, you know, fondue that's like white chocolate that's been dyed royal blue. So you can get like all these things in blue chocolate, like blue candy apples. They, uh, and Disney Parks recently posted a like an Instagram reel of them making them. Which yes. Was so cool. Yes. Yeah. Very. It was very cool. Um, and they also partnered with Godiva. So they have you can buy a box of Godiva frozen chocolate. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely it's it's not just like your generic flavorless milk chocolate, you know, yeah. with Mickey stamped mm -hmm. on it. This is. This is really high. This is stuff that's like almost too cute to want to eat. Almost. 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 almost, almost. Uh, and they also have a lot of grab and go. This is the one that I thought was the most wild. This is like their little bento box. And it's this. Um, I don't know if, if you've ever had Nordic hot dogs, but like they they put like Swedish people or whatever. They put some what we would consider some weird stuff on hot dogs. Yeah. Like I've had hot dogs topped with like tuna fish and hot dogs topped with mayonnaise. And like, so this mm -hmm. is like this loaded hot dog that's got world of frozen burnt into the bun. And it comes with a side dish that is like an Asian it's cucumber and crab with a K and cupy mayonnaise and fish eggs. <laughs> as wow. as your side salad and then it comes with a piece of like frosted frozen cake but no this is perfect because yeah. i mean that kind of mimics what commuters do over there is they grab absolutely. a yeah, yeah 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 absolutely uh no i mean like this this it's perfect for their order they know they're on it because it's it, it definitely had nor authentic norwegian ingredients norwegian feel but uh it then would have this kind of uniquely asian twist to it yes um very cool and uh, you know, I mentioned the merchandise before, but we got to talk. We got to talk about some of the merch. Um, I think the the biggest hit that I saw with a lot of people, first of all, were these sweaters. They have mm -hmm. all of these Christmas sweaters, and it's a lot like when they had opened um, Diagon Alley and they had you know like get a Ron Weasley sweater or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. like these handmade sweater, knitted yeah. Scottish sweaters. That's exactly like these look like they would be authentic Scandinavian, you know, hand knitted sweaters except you look really close and the symbols are all like, you know, subtle frozen iconography woven into the design. And so um, like price point, cause I know like ears and stuff are cheaper there than what we're used to in yeah, America. So it's, it's hard for me to do the math because, mm -hmm. so they've got a system where 100 uh, Hong Kong dollars equals $13.78 American. Um, which is like a weird number. So like, I'm constantly like trying to do mental math and I was a theater major, not a math major. Right. <laughs> uh, but the way I worked it out was things there, souvenirs I found to be, uh, equivalent or actually slightly cheaper than United States prices. Mm -hmm. Like I bought a hat that I feel like a hat in the United States would probably be just about 30 bucks. 30 bucks and there yeah. it was like 25 um i think the sweaters like the nice sweaters um i think were between like 50 and 60 and i feel like here it would have been like 80 yeah. yeah yeah exactly um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't like dirt cheap but it was definitely like a little less expensive mm -hmm. than than i would have expected it to be back home um and some things were like gen like they sell these postcards and the postcards were like 
maybe six or seven dollars a piece, but they would postmark it for you for free and send it anywhere in the world. Wow. So, so like, you know, it, you go to Hogsmeade or whatever, and yeah, you can buy a postcard and they will stamp it with the owl, but they will still charge you for the stamp. And that's just a US first class stamp. Right. This, they would like, nope, you just put it in our box and we'll send it. Oh, I did see some so, videos of that. That looks very yeah. cool. Very so uh, I will say the one I sent home has not arrived yet. We will find out how long it takes for those to actually be delivered. Uh, <laughs> but um, some of the other really cute, unique stuff, um, you know, we've seen shoulder plush for other characters. Mm -hmm. They went all out in shoulder plush. They've got Olaf. They've got uh, Marshmallow. Uh, I have a troll. Uh, I think the most popular ones were the snow geese. Everyone yes, loves the snow geese. Everyone uh, loves them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing they have is this talking, interactive uh, Olaf. And he's this tiny little, you know, he's the size of a shoulder plush. Uh, but he's animatronic with lip sync and eye movement. And not only does he have lots of random phrases that he can say, but he will pair up with another one. I don't know how they know each other is there oh, that but is if you cool. have two yeah. of them and you activate them both at the same time they will have a whole conversation back and forth uh it was is pretty pretty nifty wow um, what caught my eye was the headbands because they reminded me a lot of the nintendo world ones that i love that have like the plush characters like they're yes. sitting on your head yes exactly i got one um oh wait hold on let me see where did i put it uh, here we go <gasps> yes. I so there we it. go. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's uh, so there's cool. my uh, Anna headband. Um, sorry if anyone wanted to see me wearing it uh, <laughs> in pictures inside the park. That was not going to happen. But there you go. So and the really cool thing about these is um, that they're kind of made to look homemade, hand stitched. Mm -hmm. Uh, they they're a lot like in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, how they have the dolls there that are made to be like in universe dolls that right. one made out of scraps. So they're not like super on model. They're, you know, they're a little uh, they're so charming because they're a little bit um, right. big headed, you know. Uh, so, yes. And, and it's got a really nice soft texture. It's not, you know, a lot of the headband things are very hard plastic mm -hmm. and these these they feel soft. No, so I love it. You have yeah. to keep it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to keep it on for the rest of it. Um, so yeah, uh, and and all this these things that I was describing, this is all uh inside TikTok toys and collectibles. And the idea behind this shop is that the royal toy maker who made toys for Anna and Elsa when they were growing up uh owns this store. And it's got all these references to Hans Christian Andersen stories. There's the one-legged uh soldier. Uh, the Tin Soldier who falls in love with the ballerina. Um, there's a, a short film, uh, uh, if you've seen that one, that Disney did of that. Mm -hmm. um, and just lots of great detail all throughout the shop. Wonderful. It's just, it's well, great seeing there's just so much stuff that is like exclusive, exclusive. Yes. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. I know people are going to go over there and bring mm -hmm. a whole suitcase. Yeah. And if you're oh, into gosh. Disney bounding, they also, I mean, they had dresses, they have a lot of hair accessories. There was a whole thing. Like they gave people ribbons and they were doing styling, like they'll braid uh, stuff to yes. you know, ribbons to braid into your hair. And uh, yeah, you can, you can live the full on Aaron Dale lifestyle, um, you know, fill your closet for sure. Very cool. And then uh, 
going to the resorts, are there like add-ons to have the fruit? You know, they do the Duffy and Friends thing. Oh, you know, I I sure I did not um, detail it in this report, but maybe we'll post it later. They, okay. uh, you know, they have definitely activated Frozen throughout the resort. Uh, in the hotels, uh, you can go all out and rent a Frozen hotel room, one of these special Ooh. Frozen suites that they've redecorated um, with the you know the furniture the wallpaper the you know there's a giant olaf that comes in the room yeah i mean down to the the wallpaper in, in the toilet like everything if you want to live uh, you know eat breathe drink frozen <laughs> they have frozen picnics they have a, uh, like a tea set um they have special drinks uh they have all sorts of activations uh throughout the resort uh yeah i should probably post some because it 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 was a little overwhelming. Like you can get frozen face painting done. Uh, I think I saw frozen slippers for the room. Yes, they gave us. I have a pair of frozen. Ooh. They gave us pairs of frozen slippers and uh, shoe mats. Um, that was very nice. That was in our rooms too. Um, yeah, either there's like a banner in our room and a welcome amenity kit. I got a frozen toothbrush. I mean, you name it. You name it. They they will they they got it. And people will eat it up because we know that will happen. It's very, very popular there. I mean, I had more than one person. When I was in Hong Kong itself, um, uh, outside of the resort, you know, I was on a, a walking tour and people wanted to know about it because um, they saw I was wearing a Hong Kong Disneyland hat. And they they were like, oh, Frozen is very popular here. So uh, it's I think it's it's going to do very well for them Love i would like it. to see if anyone has uh, some photos or videos of what the crowds were like for the official opening date oh there are yes there was a okay. lot of uh, let's just say running okay <laughs> yeah it's been yeah. fun to watch so i do want to talk a little bit about just hong kong disneyland and sure. absolutely there for your first time yeah. i've been a lot of us probably haven't been but want to go overall impressions okay overall impressions is uh it is definitely a mirror universe disney disneyland um as, you know as someone who is obviously very very familiar with uh walt disney world in anaheim and uh has also been to paris um you know uh it is it is definitely a complicated um emotionally complicated thing to talk about because uh it was definitely a place that was built on the cheap and you can mm -hmm. tell that its origins were very compromised. Uh, you know, it was originally built during the Paul Pressler era. And it was built, you know, it, it was like much like California Adventure was originally built, uh, way underbuilt, and then had to be basically completely redesigned and rebuilt in order to Which be a legitimate Disney so park. Challenging. Yeah. The, the, you can see that the shadow of the opening day um, Hong Kong Disneyland. When when that park opened, it only had Adventureland, Tomorrowland, and Fantasyland. It had mm -hmm. one dark ride, the Winnie the Pooh dark ride, which is the exact same ride in Florida. Not the best dark ride in Florida, and the only dark ride in the entire park when the place wow. opened. Um, and everything that they had was, it just felt, all the original stuff just felt like uh, second-rate clones of what was in uh other disney parks um, now they have gone back over it they have expanded beyond the berm they have added all sorts of unique things they have gone back in and there's a lot of things to like about it there's a lot of 
you know, things that are familiar, but it's just different enough that it's surprising and different. Um, the landscaping is phenomenal. It, you're, it's basically a tropical island. Mm -hmm. um, and so the lushness, especially of Adventureland, is just amazing. Um, and if you are the kind of person who likes things that aren't rides, but likes things that are walkthroughs or garden areas or just little things to look at, that's great. Uh, they've got this uh, um, fairy tale walkthrough area that's kind of like the Disneyland storybook land, except instead of taking a boat, you're walking around it. Um, and, you know, little dioramas, little things. They've even got the porch on Main Street where you can sit on a chair. And people wow. do. People just I saw I saw an old guy with his shoes off, sitting barefoot, stretched out, reading the newspaper. And it's like if that's if that's the experience you want, just kind of wandering around, sightseeing, taking some pictures, you're not into it for the ride so much. It's probably maybe the best Disney park for that, because that's wow. kind of what it's built for. Um, but. And like I, a fever dream a little bit with some feng shui. Exactly. Oh, and a lot of feng shui. In fact, yeah. they, they specifically talked to us about mm -hmm. feng shui and how it came into the design of things, um, which I, I, I respect. I, I found that all really fascinating. But if you think that you go to a Disney park to ride Disney rides, I would say it is probably not worth the 24 hour flight in each direction for that purpose alone, um, because uh frozen uh, frozen is the exception frozen is mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic if you're a frozen super fan i'd say it's worth it uh mystic manor and big grizzly are both world class and you know they're both on my top 20 list you know glad i saw it pretty much everything else is either a clone that is the same or inferior mm -hmm. uh and the other things they have that are unique are were for me one and dones and were kind of janky uh they have an iron man simulator that is basically star tours with iron man slapped on it and you know it's a fake robert downey jr and it's very cart you know uh playstation looking cgi right. and uh the only thing that i really loved is that they've got stan lee making a cameo in the safety film Ant-Man versus the Wasp is possibly the single most boring shooting ride I've ever been on in my life. Uh, they took um, Buzz Lightyear and stripped all the personality and movement and animation out of it. And it's just static sets with some blinking computer screens. There's no sense of danger or excitement or even movement. You're just crawling through these very, very static, boring ugly sets uh and there's no sense of accomplishment there there's even the shrinking effect is really lame um that was that was a huge huge letdown um and you know their jungle cruise was just weird the live shows were fascinating uh the like i said the festival lion king show is like this super plus version of ours but it's also pacing there is really strange. Um, we have, in, I think, in Western culture, an expectation that pacing should build and build and build. And everything, like you do something and then you have to take it to the next level. Okay? And then then and then the show should kind of reach a peak and a climax. And you should feel some, you know, kind of sense of catharsis. And then we wrap it up and get out of here. And in, I think, Asian cultures, it's a very different sense of pacing where we just sort of, introduce a vibe and a moment and we sort of remain in this moment and then we stop 
and then we move on to another thing. But it's not necessarily that same sense of you know progression and acceleration and that we kind of expect. So things like the, um, for example, in the Festival of the Lion King show, uh, where in our version you have be prepared and you have them singing be prepared and doing choreography and then at the same time you have someone doing the fire dancing and right. and the song builds and the fire dancing builds and it all builds together into a big climax whereas here it's they sing the song and then someone comes out and does fire dancing and then those are kind of like we do one thing then we do another thing you know the the during how can you feel the love tonight we sing the song and then someone comes out and dances and then someone comes out and does the aerial stuff but it's not like oh, all one connecting thing yeah. with everything, you know, happening and flowing. So um, that was kind of for me having to like step back from my Western preconceptions about pacing and layering and timing and stuff and just sort of trying to appreciate because the production values, oh my God, like the fire effects, the stage that moves up and telescopes and like becomes like a birthday cake that's like rotating in three different directions at once and their floats don't just like move out and sit there but they actually like move around the space mm -hmm. and turn around and spin and no tumble monkeys though very disappointed <laughs> that there are no tumble monkeys. Uh, um, so, uh duffy and friends is it just you know you like throw up and they're everywhere it is everywhere ev from the second you in every gift shop duffy <laughs> is front and center duffy is the star of that park and mickey is a distant afterthought um i wow. mean yes mi yes mickey is on the floral um but it's duffy on the banners it's duffy on the billboards it's duffy on the signs the first uh big uh gift shop when you walk into the right where the where the candy shop uh would be in walt disney world mm -hmm. uh you know front right on main right. street is Duffy meet and greet and the cinema is my travels with Duffy the Main Street cinema and the where the Jolly Holiday Bakery is is the Duffy meet and greet and it's the most it's the most elaborate every other meet and greet in the park is like the castle has like a couple rooms inside sort of like the princess meet and greet in Disneyland but it's like you can miss it you can can't even barely see where the sign to enter duffy is like here is duffy duffy has a huge house there are multiple rooms of like pre-show of places to pose with your duffy car and this is a thing all over the park they have entire attractions yeah. that are nothing but walk through garden areas with pedestals that it are says you place your duffy character here and pose your duffy character here not even you're in the picture with no you're yeah. just posing your duffy and i saw grown men grown men in the park doing nothing but taking a duffy around putting him on a garbage can putting him on a railing putting him on over here and doing photo shoots like like you know like duffy is is naomi campbell or something i mean it's like <laughs> wow so like, I think everywhere you everywhere of, everywhere wow so the, there wasn't a lot of wait times for attractions but do you know offhand like what the duffy wait times were I'm oh just... it, it was pa 30 minutes all okay. the time it started at 30 minutes and it was always 30 minutes uh wow. no matter what um i <laughs> i was lucky because like when they brought us into the park and they were like and you guys are getting a special meet and greet with lena bell and i was like oh i'm getting first in line for that i was like this the second or third person to uh, do that because okay. i saw as soon as i was hugging lena bell i saw the line of the rest of the journalists was like an hour long right behind me right like, i'm getting and and i will say that she was very well animated 
she was very warm, very enthusiastic. I think it's a, a really cute design. Uh, they still don't feel like Disney characters to me. Mm -hmm. They still just feel like generic IP free uh, stuffed animals to me. But I, I'm, you know, I, I, I can't hate on Lena Bell. She was, she was, she was, right. you know, she's my girl. I'm good. But I, it was just frustrating because I really wanted something that was unique to Hong Kong Disneyland. And that was, you know, based on a unique character or unique IP from there. And everywhere I went, every single store was Duffy, Duffy, Duffy. Interesting. So, so uh, like the park goers are very different from the States. Would you say like you could just go there and people watch and be entertained? Uh, yes, I would. Like I said, the the like major occupation, I think everyone who is there is an influencer or wants to be an influencer. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's fascinating watching people interact with the parks. I mean, like uh, we see this in the obviously we have vloggers and bloggers and influencers mm -hmm. in the American parks. But this was like not just like solo people, but families doing this, like taking pictures and like just hanging out is like the a major occupation there. And it really was interesting. It's like how, uh, you know, just going ride to ride to ride definitely seems secondary, which is a good thing because if you just went right, if you, the parks only open like 1030 AM until like 8 PM, I mean, it's a short operating day. And if you like the first day uh, before I got into Frozen, I, I got there the first morning and I think I did every major attraction of the park before 2 p.m. Pretty wow. easily. Yeah. Like four hours was enough to do every major ride. Um, you know, I uh, didn't I didn't do like Dumbo because it's yeah. Dumbo, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't do the teacups. But, you know, you I, saw them. Yeah, so. I but I did you know, pretty much everything that I wanted to do in less than half a day. Wow. Um, so for that reason, you know, I would say that it is absolutely worth doing as a small component of a larger trip to Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong was, I, I, I felt the same way when I visited Disneyland Paris. I spent three days in Disneyland Paris and then like two days in Paris. And I wish I flipped that around. Mm -hmm. I wish I spent more time in Paris and less time in Disneyland. Same right. thing with Hong Kong. You know, I was there for to see, you know, I, I was I was there for that purpose. But it, I think that one one full day, maybe sp spend one night in their hotels more than enough. Um, and then I wish I had had more time to really explore Hong Kong because that is an incredibly rich historical, cultural city. And, you know, I the, the day that I spent in the city was not nearly enough not to enough, scratch yeah. the surface for sure. Um, but the hotels, uh, they've got three hotels on site mm -hmm. right now. And, um, they, uh, the top line is the Disneyland hotel, which is a clone of the grand Floridian. Um, they have the explorers lodge, which is the, if the wilderness lodge and animal kingdom lodge and Polynesian all had a baby. Very cool. Um, and the, uh, last one is the Hollywood hotel which mm -hmm. is sort of like um i mean it's like their equivalent of all stars oh, yeah. uh, it, it is their cheapest hotel but it's kind of like got more of like a almost a cabana bay vibe if cabana, cabana bay was more californian mm -hmm. um it's it's super tacky 
it's super cheesy. The way I, I described it was that if the old if California Adventures Superstar Limo ride was a hotel, <laughs> it would be that hotel. Right, because they recently um, reopened after refurbishment, I believe. Yeah. I think. Um, it, you know, I guess All Star Movies would be the closest equivalent. But if All Star Movies was plus 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 into like a mm -hmm. high rise hotel with, like, they have they do movies by the pool in a miniature Hollywood bowl. They have like a Hollywood sign on a, this little hill. The hills maybe. 20 feet tall but they have a mulholland drive that winds up with Dude, like vintage cars <laughs> vintage cars like everywhere and they've got a uh the archivist which is a marvel themed bar so they have mm -hmm. all of the infinity stone like they have the 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 gauntlet and they have uh the tesseract and uh the eye of agamemnon and all you know all the infinity stones and display cases around the the bar uh, for the, their cheap hotel it's really well done we stayed in the explorer's lodge and i thought it was phenomenal uh it's if you're into there's references to the adventures club and to to uh, imagination pavilion and all you know uh they've they've got so much detail. Um, if you're a Disney fan, you'd, you'd find all sorts of hidden things. Even like you walk into the, you were talking about uh, earlier when we recorded the earlier podcast, talking about uh, Dollywood having these fancy elevators. Mm -hmm. Well, this hotel, the elevators are all steampunk balloons. So you walk in and it's like you're in a balloon and you see like the sky and mm -hmm. it's got like knobs and dials and stuff. And then depending on which floor you hear a different character voice talking to you, it's like a whole themed experience. Um, uh, you know, they have uh, we had, they had a, a restaurant. Uh, they have a world of color themed restaurant that is all done with Mary Blair concept art and wow. like Mary Blair style tile work. And it's just absolutely gorgeous this seems like uh, it's for the disney fan like the hard oh absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely they even had um uh we ate breakfast at the buffet uh and they had uh donald greeting people in his safari outfit uh during the buffet and uh if you've never had chinese breakfast oh my god because they will have all the same american stuff you get your eggs and your sausages and mm -hmm. your no bagels but smoked salmon all that typical western stuff and then a full Chinese buffet of dumplings and dim sum and shumai and fried rice and stir fry and congee and like an entire Chinese dinner for breakfast. I, 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 I had a little bit of shumai that, you know, there's only so much that I can, I don't, normally don't eat anything in the morning before noon, Yeah, but you know, when in Rome or when in Hong Kong. Yes. Gotta well, try. It sounded like an amazing trip. I was like a, a it was really time. unbelievable. Yeah. I mean um, it's not easy to get to. It's not like Disneyland Paris for it, us for no, know, no. I would say for you know convenience, uh it is definitely it is definitely the I'd say even way harder than to get to, to, to than Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Um and it is frustrating, you know, being that close to Shanghai and Beijing, having gone all the way out there. I mean, so close, relatively speaking, it's still further than Orlando to Oregon, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's you're Over at, there. Least, at <laughs> least you're on that side of yeah. the planet, you know, literally on the opposite side of the world to be there to get that close. But uh, as as an American right now, um, especially one who was there technically working, mm -hmm. uh, it is virtually impossible to hop from Hong Kong to mainland China. 
uh, they do not want you going. They do not want us going to Shanghai. Right. They do not want us going to to Beijing. They're not interested in us right now. So, um, so that was that was a bit of a shame. Uh, I would say, uh, if I had not been going for you know journalistic purposes, if I was just planning a trip to a foreign Disney park, I would say that going to Paris or going to Tokyo, I would say is a lot more probably cost effective and and time effective. Um, but if you are in that region, you know, if you're going to Hong Kong for business, which is 99% of why people would go to Hong Kong, mm -hmm. it's so easy to get to an add on as part of a trip. You know, I don't necessarily think I would ever personally make that my primary destination. But you can hop on their train system, the MTR is the best train system I've ever been on in the world. It's so clean. It is so easy, so efficient, so uh, so easy to navigate. And uh, as a tourist, uh, 65 Hong Kong, which worked out to like $7 US, got me an all-day pass to go. I spent a total of maybe three or four hours uh, you know, on, in train rides alone, going mm -hmm. from Disneyland to Central City to the opposite side of the island and back to Disneyland for seven bucks for an entire you know day uh i mean it's you can't beat it um you can even get really good food in the subways like right. there's 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 even there's 7-elevens like their convenience stores oh, are yeah. so much better oh. than ours um and things you know a bottle of water was like a dollar you know um so i would i would say that uh hong kong disneyland is a very cost-effective add-on if you are already in hong kong i don't think it makes sense to go out there for unless you are like the one percent of the one percent of, of you know disney super fans who has to check everything off your trip but in that case i would say do the visa legwork and also combine it with a trip to shanghai because yes. um uh you know the hong kong park i'm glad i saw it and i think it had a really unique vibe that I did appreciate in a lot of ways, but as a standalone, if you're just judging in terms of how many unique rides do I get to do, um, you know, Tokyo would definitely be a better investment. Very, very insightful. Yeah. You have helped me work through some of my FOMO. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I will say other than the, the, you know, physical and emotional strain of the long, long flight, everything else about it was very easy. Like I said, English is a, you know, a primary language there. Um, navigating the airport was easy. Uber worked. Um, the only tip I will give, uh, um, Visa worked in most places and I was able to use Apple Pay, tap to pay mm -hmm. almost everywhere. Um, the only thing I took cash out of my ATM for was tipping people, like tipping my tour guide, tipping my, um, the hotel, uh, you know, housekeeping mm -hmm. that I, I pulled some cash out of the ATM and that's the best way to do it is not to go to a money exchange. It's just to pull some money out of your ATM. Um, but, uh, if you do go octopus, uh, you can download the app in the American app store. It's called octopus and it's their own debit card system. And you can connect it to your U S credit card and just transfer, 100 UK, HK at a time, which is 
13, $14 US at mm -hmm. a time. So it's a small, you know, so if you load up too much, you're not losing, you know, I've probably right. got seven bucks stuck on it. So it's like, you know, you come home from Europe with a, with a, a pocket full of euros and you throw right. them in, 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 you know, it's like, all right, so that's five bucks worth. It can just sit there fine. Um, but it was so convenient. It works like all the subways, all of the convenience stores. It's so much quicker than pulling out a credit card. You just that's tap really your cool. octopus and you Genius, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. Yes, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, uh, we this I can't believe we just talked for an hour and a half straight. Mm -hmm. I hope yeah. someone watches this whole episode. <laughs> we should give a prize if you make it to the end of this. Uh, well, I hope you write a store on the Explorers Hotel because that is like really what I'm. Yeah, you know, I should I should put together because I got a lot of great photos of that, mm -hmm. and uh, it really. Um, uh, I just the view that I had looking out over the bay. You know, like I said, this is this is basically an island, a tropical jungle island and looking out over the bay and seeing hong kong city on the opposite side it, this was a view that you would pay two thousand dollars a night for in the states and uh you know instead it, it was half the price that animal kingdom lodge would have been mm -hmm. um wow. so if you are over 62 it costs 100 hk to get into the park for a day 13 dollars and 70 78 cents oh per day yeah. and i think an annual pass is like the same as three or four day tickets. So can you imagine an, an you know, an annual pass for, for like 50 something bucks a year? Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is just going to about wrap it up. Should we let it we go? go I, we are going to let it go. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we do it for the first time in forever, I think it is important that we hear a quick word mm -hmm. from our sponsors. The Attractions Podcast is brought to you by MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Whether your next vacation is a magical trip to the theme parks, an exciting adventure to the pyramids of Egypt, or just a relaxing cruise on the turquoise waters of the Bahamas, MEI Travel provides premium service and expert advice to help you get the most of your vacation. They are always free of any hidden fees or costs to you. Visit them at mei-travel.com. And before we go, uh, in addition to thanking our sponsors, we want to ask you to please leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Follow us on attractionsmagazine.com and search for Attractions Magazine on your favorite social media platforms. Carly, where can everyone find you? Yes, I am on Instagram at Adventures by Carly and on Twitter X at Carly Caramano. And I'm on social media at S. Kaberski, and you can find my books at theunofficialguides.com. Thank you for listening to this very special bonus episode. And until next time, we hope you folks stay safe, try something new, but most importantly, have fun. And we will see you again soon. Take care. Bye.